This is Doing Translational Research, a podcast from the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell University. Okay, welcome to Doing Translational Research. I'm your host, Tony Burrow. I serve as the director for the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research here at Cornell University. And today I have the honor of being joined by two guests. First, we have Dr. Laura Tack who is Associate Professor of Policy, Analysis and Management, and Sociology at Cornell University, together with Dr. Rachel Donovan, who happens to be the Dean of the College of Human Ecology. She co-directs the Cornell Project 2Gen, an initiative here in the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research. And of course, we're also joined by Dr. Elizabeth Day, who is Assistant Director for Policy Engagement for Cornell Project 2Gen and an engaged learning associate with the Cornell Institute for Public Affairs, also known as SIPA. Uh, welcome to you both. Thanks for having us, Tony. Wonderful, wonderful, welcome. Um, so, so of course, you both have your own independent lines of research interests and inquiry and administrative roles and such. Um, and of course, wherever those come to bear in our conversation, please do share. Um, but for the benefit of our audience today, I want to focus first and foremost on your collective and collaborative work uh, on Project 2Gen. Um, and so for the audience, that's Project 2, the number 2 Gen, G-E-N as in generation. Um, and so to kick us off today, I have just a couple of questions. Um, the first one is, I was hoping that you could explain and unpack what Project 2Gen is and I suppose a, a more precise way of asking is, is, is what is Project 2Gen designed to address or to do? So Project 2Gen, as you mentioned, Tony, is an initiative out of the Bronfenbrenner Center. And the goal of Project 2Gen is to take what we call a two-generation approach to family and child well-being. And the two-generation approach means that when you are tackling a particular challenge, whether it's a health-related challenge or education or emotional regulation or development of children, that many times those efforts can be best uh, supported and be most successful when you focus not only on an individual child or uh, person in isolation, but also to incorporate the entire family system that they're involved in, in any interventions or policy efforts that you're working on. Um, so rather than thinking about an individual student working by themselves in a classroom to address issues related to education, um, also thinking about how to engage the parents and the caregivers and the broader family system that is supporting the children outside of the classroom. Um, and this approach, although I think it's intuitive that we all think that we're connected to our families and our broader communities in a lot of ways that influence us, more times than not, interventions and policies take a very individualistic approach and focus only on an individual in isolation from the rest of the family and broader community systems in which they're involved. So Project 2Gen tries to take a wide range of um, issues affecting development and well-being and broaden that lens to look at the broader systems that the child is involved in, in their family and their community, and thinking about how to bring those into the conversation about supporting them and how to best support them, um, and to provide resources and support and evidence about how to do that most effectively. 
Wonderful. Thank you for that that overview. And I appreciate the insight that, you know, intuitively it seems we have an understanding of ourselves as being embedded in families and communities. But from a programmatic standpoint, there seems to be a novelty there. So so in your in your in your estimation, in your view, is the two generational approach somewhat rare in in sort of programming and, and project research-based uh, initiatives or, or are there do, is this sort of a common thing in, in, in bringing two generations together? Yeah, in the, in the past, I would say it's been the dominant approach to have just kind of a single individualistic perspective. But it's becoming more and more common uh, to incorporate the broader family context and take the more two generation approach. Um, And you see this happening in a lot of different types of um, social service and policy sectors over the past five to 10 years, more interest and awareness of um, these broader issues. Um, And in part, that's because we're starting to see more and more evidence and research base that supports the two-generation framework. Um, Not only does it help individuals become more successful and you can see more positive program impacts. But oftentimes there's a greater return to the investment. Um, There's broader positive externalities, we might say, that extend beyond that individual when you're supporting the system as a whole. And sometimes those benefits can be more sustained and more durable in the long run as well. So as we're building an evidence base about its efficacy and its effectiveness, the two-generation approach is becoming more popular and being adopted more and more by social service providers and policymakers across a range of different sectors. That's really exciting to, to see the melding and sort of matching of the programmatic elements and the focus with sort of what the, the external folks external to the program are sort of thinking about, especially when it pertains to policy. So this seems to be a really exciting development to sort of create a program that attends to these nuanced distinctions uh, and bring them together in the way that Project 2Gen has. Um, you know, you, you mentioned others and, and other implicated other people in the process. Um, so does, how does Project 2Gen involve community agencies or other non-academic stakeholders in the work that you do? So we actually have um, a lot of partnerships with different groups in the community. We work closely with the Department of Social Services. We work with uh, the Family Treatment Court in Tompkins County, and we work with Cooperative Extension. And we um, were lucky enough to receive funding from the William T. Grant Foundation to do work focused on how opioids are more broadly impacting families and children. And so we've really focused our work there with the community partners. And we've engaged with them from the very beginning of the project. So they've helped us understand the problem in our community. They've helped us form research questions around how we can best support these families. And then they've also helped us um, in terms of carrying out the research and using the findings to really help promote better supports for families that are struggling with substance use. So that sounds really symbiotic, that there's questions you're asking, and then they help refine and shape and move projects forward and research questions forward. Um, you know, I, on this podcast, we, to really explore what it's like to do translational research, um, I want to invite you to share any challenges 
that may have arised in route to working with community partners? I know that challenges can also come with opportunities to improve the work we do, but is there anything that stands out to you as particularly challenging in doing this work? That's a really great question. And I think um, one of the biggest challenges is really making sure to attend to the priorities for kind of both teams. So for our research team, really thinking about um, the different products and things that we're trying to do in the research sphere and with academic publications and things like that, while still also um, making sure that the work is very highly relevant for our community partner. And um, we have great community partners who are really interested in research and kind of um, really support the academic outlets as well as really trying to help us figure out the best ways to make the work useful for them too. So I would say that's probably the biggest challenge uh, that we've been able to really navigate pretty well with our partner as we problem solve throughout our partnership. That's wonderful. Uh, thank you for that 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 deep dive into into that uh, angle. So, taking sort of a step back, thinking about the general focus of the work of Project Two Gen, um, what are some of the big insights or the big take home messages that you really want the public to know or understand about the work you do or the insights you're drawing from the work you do? What are the what are the sort of the big ticket items that you want people to to know about your work? One thing that we see over and over when we're looking at the world with this two generation or systems level lens is that as a society, and this is pertains to individuals as well as people who are in positions of authority and all of us as podcasters and listeners, um, is that we're very often quick to assign blame uh, to, and shame to and stigma to individuals when they fail to meet society's expectations. And when people surpass and do really well on the other side, we're very quickly uh, able to attribute that success to the individual. They worked really hard. They really applied themselves. They're unusually brilliant or you know, uh, talented in a certain area. Um, so when people are either succeeding or struggling, we very often turn to these individual level attributes uh, to explain their successes or their failures. But what the two generation lens pushes you to do is to think beyond the individual um, and to think if someone is struggling, what are the systems and the supports that are around them and surrounding them in place or that aren't in place that could help support them more? Very often, there is another broader, deeper explanation for what's going on beyond what's kind of embedded within the individual and what we can easily see and make assumptions about. And the same thing when people are being incredibly successful, thinking about what are the positive aspects of their support systems within their family, within their community that have helped them to achieve that. And so it's, it's really a challenge to all of us to think more holistically about that. And that's important for us just as individuals, as we go about you know, our lives, and it can help us to be more understanding and more empathetic. But it's especially important for people who are in positions of authority and power, people who are you know, managers and people who are designing policy. And we, we all have areas within our professions and our lives that we have control over and we're making decisions that are affecting other people. And when you take this two-generation approach, it pushes you to think about how you can support people better more broadly rather than attributing their successes to 
to you know individual level attributes or their failures to individuals. Um, and so it's you know um, a challenge to take that perspective um, more readily, whether it's in your workplace or in your family, um, or just as an individual out in the world. I think that is such an interesting insight that there's a default sort of a readiness to identify individual attributes, uh, for better or for worse, that you've that you've named here. Uh, but the particular perspective, the purview of Project Two Gen sort of requires you to <clears throat> sort of requires you to keep people embedded in their context and to then draw inferences and in interpretations and share insights with others that keeps that context around individuals at all times. And that's such an interesting way to sort of safeguard or protect against sort of individualistic interpretations when they really should be more familial or collectivistic, uh, communal as they may be. It's such, a, it's such an interesting insight uh, that your project sort of builds into the infrastructure, if you will, of, of your approach. Um, I, I think you named this as such in your response. Let me try to pull this out a little bit. So if, if there is sort of this tendency to draw things down to the individual level and, and to make inferences about, about individuals, is there a challenge in extracting the familial or intergenerational insights when you're sharing results or findings with policymakers or with different audiences? Do they kind of want you to tell them at the level of the individual? Or have you found it easier, for lack of a better term, to talk about the collective or the holistic? I think that many people, um, once you share the broader context, um, are very receptive and amenable to it. Um, and I think that one challenge uh, for the groups that you just named is that many of our institutions are set up in a very fragmented way. So we have um, a criminal justice system that deals with individuals who have you know, committed crimes, um, but it ignores the fact that those individuals are often parents or children or caregivers. And all of the services for those groups are in a social service office. And then there's a different mental health office. And everything is very fragmented um, in terms of how things are funded, in terms of um, how metrics are calculated for success in those organizations. And so many times, even though an individual working in their occupation is receptive to this idea once you share the broader context, and in fact, often see it in their work and it's accessible to them once you point it out. Many times the incentives built into our public institutions and our private ones as well are, are not set up to support it when people want to change that and try to adopt the broader approach. Um, they can't use their funding in more flexible ways, for example, or they're still being evaluated on individualized metrics. Um, but we have seen on a more promising note, changes in that and efforts to break down some of those traditional barriers in terms of funding and in terms of how institutions are set up. And they're um, working more and more collaboratively. So we definitely see signs of promising developments um, in, in that domain, um, although there is still much more work to be done. Wow. I, I, again, I, I, I just think this is such a neat insight. Um, you know, in, with the theme of doing translational research, I think we have an opportunity to explore these kinds of topics in a way that if this were a podcast on just doing research or academic research, we oftentimes find ourselves talking within sort of disciplinary boundaries of, you know, this is 
this is sociology, right? Or this is uh, psychology or what have you, or child development. And you kind of forget that the worlds that we're trying to understand are much more complex and integrated in very much the way that you're describing them. They, they intersect these, these areas that we've split. So to really understand them, we get real specific. But I think what you're saying is that, that you're, you intentionally kind of think about cross-disciplinary and complex topics on purpose. And that allows you to see things and understand things and glean insights in ways um, that when you talk to people, it's true to them. They, they recognize it at the level in which you're discussing it. But we may sometimes run up against funding demands or uh, uh, different stakeholders kind of see a very sort of rigid, more specific sort of lane. And I think this, I think you're sort of drawing our attention. I think your work is seems to be drawing attention to a way forward is to to really solve the problems as they exist in the world. Maybe we need more of this kind of thinking in, in program design. Just a really interesting insight. Um, so, you know, I love how our conversation is folding in kind of the next questions that I want to ask you all about. But um, if there was one real world change that you could make based upon the work of Project 2Gen, what would it be and, and why? I think um, part of it, Tony, you kind of just named <laughs> is that really um, kind of helping um, service providers and policymakers and um, individuals who are in these positions of power to really understand that it's helpful when this two-generation lens is taken. So particularly in terms of kind of how funding streams work um, and being able to allow service providers to work across those different sectors that Laura mentioned as being very individualized. Um, so one of our community partners that I mentioned is the Family Treatment Court in Tompkins County. And um, they have a really novel approach to helping support families struggling with substance use, where they're actually working collaboratively across mental health, social services, um, addiction and treatment services, uh, child welfare services. It's really this collective approach to trying to support these families. Um, and so in, their, in working with them and seeing kind of how well this can benefit families in many ways, uh, there are still, of course, challenges and areas of growth, but really kind of the overall benefits for families of this type of multifaceted approach. If there is a way to really elevate that uh, in the community and have policymakers and practitioners um, able to do that more in their work, I think that would be a really awesome thing for supporting families. That's interesting. Um, you know, it, it, it sort of begs the question of what it really takes to do this kind of work. I mean, the, the conversation I think is revealing that to do it well, you have to be comfortable navigating across maybe even one's area of, of, of training or comfort or expertise or what have you, but to go into I mean, the topics we talked about, you know, the court system, we talked about, you know, uh, prison settings and, and families. And so can you give us a glimpse into, um, even a personnel glimpse into um, the, the the staff and affiliates of, of Project 2Gen, what does it take? Is it, is it a personality that, that, that to, to do this work that helps you feel comfortable and to navigate this? Is it expertise? Is it training? Is it a type of sort of view on the world? What for others who are, think this is a good idea and want to move their project or programs to something that takes a broader view uh, of the world in the much in the way that Project Two Gen does? What should they? How should they think about their program in terms of personnel or or affiliates that they would need to connect with to do this work well? 
One thing that we try to do with Project 2Gen and that we think is essential to the success of the endeavor is to build a team intentionally that has multiple disciplinary perspectives involved from the academic side. So that could include psychologists, economists, sociologists in the social sciences, but it could also include people who are um, involved in health research, um, people who are involved in some of the more biological sciences. And so we uh, take a, a very broad view of the fields that should be at the table in terms of providing expertise about what research says. Um, but then the, the real you know, advancement comes in the conversations that those individuals have with one another. So you have to not only set up the team to include the range of areas that you're focused on, but then also set the conditions that allow mutual learning and mutual respect across those. Um, and one thing that we have tried very hard to do is to include uh, students uh, at the undergraduate, the master's and the graduate level in different aspects of our research. Um, and we have found that that has also helped to inject new energy, new ideas, fresh perspectives um, into the work as well. Um, and to span, you know, a range of ages and experiences on our team. So spanning multiple disciplines and then multiple career stages, it really allows us to be nimble and flexible to try to adapt um, to the needs of the, of the community, of what we're seeing in the community. I can completely see how that would afford different perspectives on the world and, and really shape the work that gets done, ultimately get, that gets done. And in addition, I suspect that it's also a wonderful context for learning for the students themselves, for students who, who are working with you on various projects to be socialized in how to do research that is inherently across disciplinary boundaries and to how they think about the world is may deviate a bit from what they're getting in other settings and other training opportunities. So just a wonderful opportunity all around, both for uh, the students that are working with you, the, the, the research that you're doing, and, and the stakeholders and, and communities that are benefiting from your work. Well, I think it's awesome that uh, we get to share your voices and your perspective and a little bit of insight into the work of Project 2Gen so folks understand a little bit more about it and can see why it's such a meaningful part of the Bronfen Brenner Center for Translational Research. I want to thank our guests today, Dr. Laura Tack and Dr. Elizabeth Day for their time and their sharing of insights. I want to thank those listening uh, and to encourage you to tune in next time. Thank you. information about translational research or the work of the Bronfenbrenner Center, please visit www.bctr.cornell.edu.